featuring interviews and commentary from Animal Rights Zone, the online social network for humans who seek justice for other animals. You can find us on the web at www.arzone.net. I'm your host, Carolyn Bailey. Today's episode features our special guest, Greg McFarlane. Greg and I will also be joined by fellow AR Zone admin, Tim Geyer. Greg McFarlane is the president of the Vegan Society of New South Wales, a community-based non-profit organisation founded in 1981 in southeastern Australia. The Vegan Society aims to promote veganism by encouraging the use of alternatives to all products derived wholly or partly from other animals. The Society emphasises education, both about the rights of other animals as well as the health and environmental benefits of veganism. In addition to his day-to-day responsibilities as president, Greg is now focusing on building a new and highly visible national vegan organisation throughout Australia, scheduled to launch before the end of 2012. Greg, thanks for being with us today and welcome to AR Zone. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for giving me the opportunity of, uh, of talking to you. You're very welcome. Greg, we've been speaking for a while now about how your work starting a national organisation is a huge undertaking. Could you please tell our listeners how long it's taken to get to the stage where you are now and the sorts of obstacles you may have encountered along the way? Uh, yes, it, uh, I suppose it's been going for a couple of years now. Um, it had an interesting start. The, um, the Vegan Society of New South Wales uh, puts on a, a yearly uh, vegan expo and uh, we make a little bit of uh, money uh, on, on this and so over a few years the money mounted up and so we, we, the committee on the, on the Vegan Society was very time poor. Um, so we had some money but no, no time to put into actually spending it wisely. So somebody suggested that we have a public advertisement, bill, billboards or advertisements on, on buses promoting veganism. And so that's a great way to get rid of money is to uh, spend it on advertising. So we, uh, we thought about that but really that would be not so effective if there wasn't a website behind it and really there wasn't or there isn't uh, a good website in Australia to point people to where they can get good uh, information on, on what veganism is, is about and uh, how to live vegan uh, and, and particularly with, you know, with uh, Australian references so I thought well bef- before we start spending money on advertising or promotion to the public we needed a website and that probably should be national because um, you know, Australia is quite a unified country and so there's no point in having all the information for every state. So that's where the idea um, began to, to really have an organization that had a website that we, we could use for that. Um, and then since then I thought well having a, a national organization could also lend itself to, to doing all sorts of other um, national lobbying and, and um, various things. Um, so that's where it started from. Since then, um, it's been a matter of um, a few people um, trying to make contact around Australia with other, other activists um, and get interest in, in forming a, a national group. And we've been fairly successful in, in getting um, quite a few people that are active in, in the movement uh, interested. and. I guess one of the main drawbacks is um, is lack of time. Um, it, it's quite a, a time-consuming job to to do all this. Um, so if, yes, if there was some magic way of getting a uh, few extra hours in every day, we'd be a lot uh, further down the down the path. What 
do you think, um, Greg, a national organisation will be able to do that a local or a regional or state one can't? Well, I think, I think local, local organisations are fantastic for organising um, local events, you know, dinners and, and stalls, uh, even you know, big things like festivals. Um, but um, for a national group, it, it would be more involved with, um, say, lobbying national governments uh, or uh, education um, uh, departments in universities to, to make changes that affect the, the environment in which people um, understand veganism and, and their relation uh, to animals. Yeah, as an example, um, the Australian government is currently reviewing the Australian dietary guidelines and uh, that's something that uh, Vegan Australia uh, as a national organisation can um, try and influence and make submissions to, to the government um, to get a, a positive vegan statement in that, in that guidelines. Um, and most, most average Australians probably have never heard of it, but it is probably influential uh, as, a, as a, the main statement, official statement by the government about um, you know, what people should eat. And that probably influences um, uh, nutritionists and doctors and, and the educational institutions that, um, that teach them. So it should have an, a, a trickle-down effect. Um, to, to millions of people. So that's, that's one thing that the, um, the new national organization could do and that, uh, that's something that, that could happen in the next 12 months. But again, uh, we have a lot of um, industry, animal industry influence on, on the formation of these guidelines, uh, even though it's meant to be a scientific um, body uh, forming them. And so uh, we have a lot of uh, opposition to any changes like that as well. So that's why we need a, a strong organisation that, um, that does have a little bit of influence. Greg, in regard to the dietary guidelines, how would you respond to criticism that by focusing on such guidelines, you might be reinforcing the idea that being vegan is only or mostly about food and the diet? Well, I, I guess the, the general answer to that is that people will not go vegan if if they think that that is going to damage their health. Um, human beings, like any other, any other um, species, an individual's main sort of goal in life is to stay alive. And if someone is convinced that they need animal products to, to be healthy and to, to survive, then no argument is going to, to change them. So that a prerequisite for them um, sort of hearing any animal rights message about veganism is for them to believe that they will be safe and healthy on a vegan diet. And so, uh, until the, the general attitude that you know, vegans are, are weak and, and um, you know, all the stereotypes, um, those two things probably have to go together. But I think it's 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 an important message as well. <clears throat> and I don't think uh, um, putting out a message that a, that a plant-based diet is healthy is is actually opposed to uh, um, you know the animal rights message. So you kind of think that a misunderstanding about the health benefits or lack of to, for a vegan diet is, is a barrier to people living a vegan lifestyle? Well, I wouldn't go, as to, go so far as to say talk about health benefits. All we need to prove is that people can be as healthy or, or healthier on a vegan diet as any other diet. And I 
that a lot of people don't believe that. You know, I've, I've heard stories of long-term vegans. Uh, their families still say things like, "Well, you're you're healthy in spite of being vegan." So uh, you know, it, it does take a lot of convincing uh, for people to 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 realize and understand that um, that their health won't be um, compromised by by going on a vegan diet. So you're talking about not so much promoting a vegan diet as you are dispelling myths that people might hold about a vegan diet. Is that right? Exactly, yes. Yes, it, it's, uh, it's not the, the, the standard approach or, or an approach that, uh, that says a vegan diet is, is the healthiest. You, know, you should become vegan because of health. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to say that by having a vegan diet, you will not be compromised. Your health won't be compromised. And in fact, you probably probably be healthier. It seems that you're interested in, in taking a multifaceted approach to advocacy. Could you please speak a little bit about some of the sorts of initiatives or campaigns that you expect to be involved in and why? Uh, yes. Perhaps I could, I, um, I could sort of spend a bit of time talking about something I've been thinking about recently, uh, which gives some background to a lot of the campaigns that, that, uh, that we're considering. And that's to look at the life cycle of a vegan. And um, we look at the influences that uh, that affect people over their lifetime, from birth to to that moment when uh, a lot of people suddenly make the connection and uh, and realise uh, what veganism is all about. Um, if we look at the influences on those people, um, then we can think about well, how can we somehow cha change what those influences are to to something that um, is a bit more pro-animal. So some of the positive influences that people have is that they're born vegan, which is, I think, a wonderful, uh, wonderful idea. They're, they're born vegan in, in terms of diet. They're um, fortunate enough to be breastfed. Their, you know, their diet is, is vegan for the first six months or so. The second thing is that um, young children are, are usually compassionate to animals. Um, it seems to be an instinct that if you... You know, if you give a, a child a rabbit and a, and a carrot, they'll play with the rabbit and, and eat the carrot. And that um, tends, to be, tends to change over time as, as parents have their influence on, on the diet. But um, you'll often, often uh, well, you won't see cruelty in, uh, in young children. Another, another positive um, influence is that there's a general level of compassion amongst people. 96% of Americans oppose cruelty to animals. And I I've, uh, believe that a recent study in um, Australia put that up to 99%. Another positive influence is uh, the, the vegan education, so that there'd be stalls and pamphlets, videos, books, websites, all sorts of information that um, talk about veganism. Uh, another influence now and for the last sort of several decades is the raised environmental awareness. Um, you know, people, people know about turning off their lights and, and all sorts of ways to, to help the environment. That's, that's a constant message that, um, that they're receiving. And so when people learn about the um, environmental impact of animal farming, that's another influence. And finally, people have a, a desire to, to live a long and healthy life. And that, um, when they hear about the health benefits of a vegan diet, that's also something that will push them in the right direction. Greg, why do you think that many people respond to the influence, these influences in their lives by becoming vegan or vegetarian, whereas the majority of people don't? 
Well, I was just going to go through some of the other influences on people. Um, there are things that are, can be both positive and negative, like um, family tradition and culture. Um, most people probably take on the, the the belief system of their of their parents and their society, and this can be both a positive and negative negative thing. In Australia, most people eat meat, and that's passed on to their children. Um, I say some states in India, most people don't eat meat, and and their children continue that um, that tradition, if you like. Um, even um, you know, I've I've worked with people from India, and they continue that tradition uh, even when they're away from from uh, from their culture. And religion has a, has another. Um, Influence depending on how people interpret their different religions, it suggests to them that they should either either eat animal products or not. Another influence is, is, is people's uh, attitude towards their pets. This is a bit of a question because uh, on the, you know when I on the surface it looks like if people have love and compassion for their pets. That should translate to similar sort of compassion for for other animals animals that they're using, but. I recently read somewhere where that the idea of having some animals that we we treat well and other other animals that we use for for food etc is a is a way to separate out animals so that we don't have the the guilt um, that would necessarily come up because of our empathy. We can um, use use the animals as someone said symbolic atonements so that the pets somehow. Um, get all our love, and that excuses us for um, killing other animals. Now, I'll, I'll just go into some of the negative influences that people have, and then and then I'll discuss um, how we can you know, make changes to those influences in their lives. People are resistant to change. Um, most people, when they get to a certain age, they um, they find it difficult to to make any behavioural changes. Now, one of the main one of the the big um, influences of people to, to eat meat is um, advertising by the animal industry. These both encourage consumption, we've got lots of advertisements on, on TV to encourage people to, to uh, eat animal products and they also promote an unrealistic um, view of animal farming. You know, um, they try and give the impression that, that all the animals are, are happy and um, living on uh, old McDonald's farm. Um, schooling is, is another issue, another uh, place where, where people are influenced. When I was at um, primary school, we, we were given free milk that, that was um, delivered to the to the, the front gate, and uh, and uh, I used to go down there before before everyone else to drink it while it was still cold because they usually left it in the sun, and so that obviously um, influenced a lot of people to think well, drinking milk is, is must be good because they you know they, they give it out free at school. So we, we want to, to look at all those influences and try and work out what we can do about them. Um, well, you know, one, one way to encourage people to become vegan, obviously, is to, to educate them on the spot, you know, to, to give them a vegan pamphlet to, to show them earthlings or um, to talk, talk to them directly, um, give them vegan cupcakes. But um, I think that's just one way. It's a great way. But... Um, you find that a lot of people that, that do in, encounter that sort of end of end of the end of the line vegan education won't accept it, and I think it's because of their their um, conditioning that's happened before that point that, um, that uh, makes it difficult for them to accept it. 
So, well, one of the um, general attitudes towards uh, veganism is that a vegan diet is unhealthy. Now, and that's that's backed up by advertising, by um, uh, instruction in school, by by doctors and nutritionists who all advocate that uh, you need to eat meat to be healthy. So a person that, that might end up reading a bit of vegan inform, um, sort of propaganda will have all of that um, uh, conditioning in, in their mind um, while, they, while, they, while they're reading that. So I thought, well, we need an organization that tries to get to the root of all that, uh, or the roots of all that. So one way would be to... to try and improve the, the education in schools. Um, we, we could um, go to um, education departments and um, try and, uh, and lobby them to, to put um, vegan education into schools. Um, similarly with the medical, medical schools that um, teach doctors and nutritionists, we could come up with um, um, plans to um, the kind of education that would be useful for them. Um, at least so they can treat vegans. When a, when a vegan goes to a doctor, um, that doctor should have the, the skills and knowledge to be able to treat that person without saying, "Well, you need to eat meat." We, you know, we could come up with um, vegan education plans, um, materials that um, could go to schools. To the, these are younger schools that um, teach about um, animals and uh, and veganism. Greg, can I ask you a question in regard to particularly younger children in schools? If, I'm, I'm not sure what experience you already have in that area, but um, have you found that parents object to having their children exposed to what they might believe to be you know, so-called radical ideas? Well, unfortunately, no, I, I don't have direct um, experience with that. Um, but I probably, if... Um, an outside group went into the school uh, and started um, teaching the, the kids about um, animals. They 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 probably object, but that's a very uh, sort of labour-intensive way of doing it. Um, I know some some organisations here in Sydney do that, and you know there's one person to cover the you know the, the thousands of uh, of schools in Sydney. Um, but if it came more from uh, the curriculum, if the curriculum included, um, say, animal ethics, um, vegan, vegan cooking classes, that would probably be more acceptable to the average parent because uh, I know when I was um, the parent of young school kids, you really didn't know what the, the kids were being taught. Um, they were, you know, the, there was so much going on in, in the school that uh, um, we couldn't keep keep track of everything and so if it was part of the curriculum and that's what we want to, want to happen then I think it would be accepted. Okay so you'd be talking more more along the lines of, of, of making it part of the curriculum than, than like you said having outside forces, outside organisations coming in and doing like a one-off lecture? Exactly yeah yeah it's, it's really labour intensive we're, we're a very small movement um, and you know, we, we can do one-to-one -one work but you know, we'll, 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 we'll meet very few people that way, whereas if we can somehow influence the people that, that do have control of the curriculum, then we'll, we'll be able to get you know, all the teachers in, in Australia um, teaching or, or doing lessons on, on ethics um, and, and perhaps you know, if we get official recognition of vegan diets, then, then that can go into the curriculum as well. 
Okay, so that, that kind of ties in with the rationale behind the dietary guidelines? Yes, yeah. It, it's trying to, um, you know, because we're, we're so, so few people uh, at the moment, it's trying to, to amplify the work of, of people so that uh, it influences those people that, that have sort of control over what's happening in the mainstream. What's your sense of the, the chances for success for that? I mean, how do you envision getting it, getting changes made such that schools would, would take on board the idea to teach those sorts of ethics? I mean, what sort of... I can appreciate what you're saying about how it would be less labor-intensive from the standpoint of advocates, right? Because you don't have to send advocates into um, hundreds or thousands of schools across the country in order to try to uh, present an argument for animal ethics. But what sort of manpower or what sort of work would it take to get the powers that be to change the way that they do education nationwide? Well, to be to be realistic, um, a lot. Um, I I think it might be different in Australia. We we do have a, a we have state curriculums, and I think uh, so. That's organised by the education department of the state, and I believe we're moving to a national curriculum next next year. So um, we don't have to uh, influence every school. Um, because uh, I don't believe they have total control over the, the curriculum. But yeah, I agree that, that some, of, some of the ideas um, that we have are very long term. But I, don't, I think even, even though it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of years to, to do some of these, I think they're, they're still worth carrying out. For, for example, you know, to make a comparison with, with another um, movement, the environmental movement, in Australia, we have an organisation called Beyond Zero Emissions, and they they have put out reports um, discussing how to how Australia can become completely carbon neutral in um, in uh, energy production in 10 years um, by closing down all the coal stations and and replacing them with solar stations. And their their then their next report will be about land use and how um, land use, uh, particularly animal production, um, can affect um, global warming, greenhouse gases. So th there's very sort of bold, long-term uh, changes that they're, um, they're talking about. I think if you don't talk about those, then, then you know, we, we'll just go on making a few conversions at our, at our street stalls. So I don't see an alternative, really. What you're saying is, is that doing the sort of uh, vegan education, as people like to call it, where they do street saws and hand out vegan cupcakes, isn't going to get to those core influences that that people have already such that they don't take on board the message. So what you're suggesting is, is that we have to do something differently in order to affect those core influences so that vegan education at the stalls will be more effective. Is that is that right? That, that's exactly right, yes, yes. That even a successful um, sort of stall person, um, you know, might get one or two people, you know, seriously considering veganism, you know, out of 100 people that they meet. Uh, you know, it might be a few percent, which means that, you know, the other 90, 95% of people 
uh, are just not swayed by that um, that short you know that short meeting that they might have for a few minutes. Um, and we we need to make you know um, scalable changes that that um, you know affect seven billion people really. Um, and if we can only reach a few percent uh, through that method, then then I think we need to look at other ways of doing it. Does that make well, sense? Yes, and I, I I agree with you. On your website, you mentioned that one of the ways that you you envision uh, the national group um, being effective is to not initiate so-called single issue campaigns, but but working with or using existing single issue campaigns to somehow uh, leverage your position. I, I'm 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 not saying it exactly the way that it's said on your website, but I but I, but I think I'm getting capturing the 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 spirit yeah. of what you're saying. Um, so could you do two things? Could you explain, because maybe some of our listeners don't know what a single-issue campaign is, would you explain what those are, and can you talk about um, how you see y- your organization being able to work with or in conjunction with those sorts of things? Sure. Um, well, I think the, I, I see single-issue campaigns as two, two kinds. Um, one is, for example, uh, in Australia just recently, um, there was footage of uh, a piggery that was um, that, that um, activists had broken into the or they'd set up cameras in the piggery uh, and recorded some uh, uh, deliberate sort of horrific cruelty uh, by the workers to those uh, to the animals. Um, and so that became a campaign. Um, be, you know, it got onto national television, and. So that's a that's a campaign against cruelty to animals in this piggery, and the call there was to close that piggery and to find find uh, find the the people involved. So it's a it's single issue in that it's it's related to to one aspect one animal one aspect of cruelty, um, and even down to one particular um, place. So we would um, we would approach that by saying. All, yes, all of those things are, are true, but the solution to that, or, or a response to that, should be that you go vegan. Um, and this is because um, you know, we would say things like that treatment of, of, uh, of pigs is, is not much different uh, everywhere else. Uh, other animals are treated in the same way, um, and so just by doing the, the limited demand of closing down that piggery won't change any fu- anything fundamental. Uh, and the second kind of um, single issue campaign is are the, the Meat Free Monday, the um, go, um, go vegan before six o'clock, um, the, the limited forms of, of, I guess, dietary change. Um, and again, we wouldn't promote those because they, they don't go far enough. But we may be able to Somehow, people that are attracted to those will then somehow come in, in contact with the you know the 100 100% vegan message uh, that we that we um, propose and be influenced by that. Does does that make sense? Yes, and and so that's going to lead me to what we call the Ronnie question because now now I'm going to ask. Um, Ronnie Lee, who's one of the admins at AR Zone, asks all of our guests 
how it is that you became vegan. When, when did it when did it happen? How did it happen? What were the influences on you? And what is it that caused you to decide to spend your time and energy advocating on behalf of other animals? I, I don't think there was a, a single issue, uh, or at least one single issue that, that influenced me. Um, and, it, and it's been a long process. 30, 30 years ago, I became uh, a vegetarian. Uh, and that was because uh, of a specific condition that I had that I believed could be um, solved by by not well by going on a fast really um, and coming out of that fast uh, after a couple of weeks of not eating meat but eating eating some other fruit juices and things like that made me realize that I could live without meat and there was no danger to my health and in fact it was probably improving but I wouldn't have stayed vegetarian at that point if if it had just been about health. Um, I'm not a particularly healthy eater, and so I I would have uh, you know eventually ended up eating unhealthy meat if it was just about that. So I had in the back of my mind the cruelty to animals, and I think that's what kept me as a vegetarian for for quite a few years. Um, I transitioned to vegan happened about 15 years ago and to be honest I don't know what what caused that it was just general information that I picked up uh, about the dairy industry um, and uh, just thinking about it I um, decided that I'd give up um, mainly cheese at that point um, I, I'd not uh, drunk milk for, for many years um, but and then again the um, gradual process into to becoming more active um, I guess I was a uh, someone on the sidelines of, of the vegan movement for many years um, not really doing anything active and I suppose when the pressures of, of, of uh, family life and work were uh, reduced it, it gave me more time to, to do something that I'm uh, passionate about when you when you think about what the process that you went through then in the context of single, so-called single-issue campaigns, what you're what you're saying is that people may respond to the idea of a single-issue campaign. So someone, you mentioned the the piggery. So someone may become concerned about some aspect of the exploitation of other animals because of something like that, and you want to provide an additional message so that they understand the broader context of the entire problem. Yes, that, that's right. We, um, I, I think that the, the organisations that, that do the original sort of research and uh, investigation onto those on those issues often, I think, politically, because probably of their, their their supporters aren't vegan, uh, and the money that comes in is not uh, from vegans, that it's difficult for them to push that line too hard, and that's where I see that. Uh, um, you know, a, a vegan organisation can be useful in in being able to present that that I guess more hardline message without having without that other organisation having to deal with the, the the backlash that might occur amongst its constituents if they suddenly just, you know, um, said that the, the only only way to um, you know, handle this issue is is for you to go vegan. Um, so it, it sort of gives them a, 
and out, if you like, to um, continue what they're doing, but we can use use their their investigations and and sort of push people along a bit further. I mean, a good example of that was the um, the van van the the van live exports issue last year. Um, that that stirred up an incredible uh, amount of um, you know, response from from the public when uh, when they saw the, the footage of uh, of how animals were treated. Um, unfortunately, the you know, most of the message was essentially that we don't send animals over overseas to be killed cruelly; that we kill them humanely in Australia, and that that was probably what most people um, got out of that. But it did influence some people. I know. I, I know personally that people started their their you know their journey to, to uh, veganism from that point. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a hard one. But um, I don't think the organisations that were were really making the the publicity uh, during that time probably wouldn't have been successful as successful if if they had um, they, if they had pushed veganism. Um, it would have been great if they did, but um, you know, we don't have influence over them. In what way do you mean they wouldn't have been as successful, Greg? Um, well, would they have got onto the you know, national TV if, uh, if they had been directly promoting veganism as, as part of that campaign? Um, I somehow doubt it. I doubt it. I, I'm just looking at the, you know, the, the way TV runs uh, and the way the media works. It's, it's sensationalist. Doesn't want to stir up too much sort of basic issues with people. I think that's true. I think the media certainly does operate that way. I'm just wondering, um, in what way could they have been more successful with their campaign? I, I realise that you said that you know some people that, that did become vegan based on that campaign. I don't know anyone myself that did become vegan because of the Ban Live Export campaign. And as far as I know, the cows that um, the individual cows that were involved in being sent from Australia to Indonesia, nothing changed for them. So I'm just not sure how you would call any part of the campaign a success. Oh, I, I see what you mean. No, that was completely unsuccessful uh, in far as changing treatment of animals. Um, but I guess I was measuring success in, in whether all of that um, activity changed people and their attitudes. Uh, I think there's a bit of evidence that 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 happened, but yes, I agree that um, you know the clever marketing by the by and, and lobbying by the farming uh, industry um, just has completely wiped out any any so-called um, progress on 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 the actual animals from the animals' point of view. Absolutely, I agree with that. But what you're saying is that even though that's the case, the fact that the issue was brought to the attention of the public in such a prominent way and and wouldn't have been had it had the campaign been strictly about veganism that even even though the campaign itself was was flawed and ultimately did nothing perhaps it still created space for people to become aware of the issue and if the information about what people ought to do is provided by a group like you're talking about then there's then there's a chance that people will make a positive change yeah I think that, that sums it up um, it's 
it's sort of um, saying that we 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 don't have much influence over those organisations that, that did do most of the you know the, the work in that campaign. So we are unlikely to change their behaviour, and and they will they will continue to do campaigns like that. So a response to that is is to be able to do exactly what you said and um, you know pre present a, a different um, action that people can do in response to that. One one thing that I've I've sort of put into the foundation documents of Vegan Australia is is, is not to criticise other organisations. Um, that the energy that, that goes into doing that can best be spent. You know, looking outwards to to people that um, you know may the, the general public um, and you know, who may be influenced by the vegan message, um, rather than sp spending a lot of time arguing about tactics and and, and theoretical theoretical um, points. So and and to be honest, I I haven't seen a lot of. No really horrible criticism going on. Um, you know, the Vegan Australia, I guess, is, is open to, to criticism from various angles. Um, and you know, the, the the amount of support far outweighs any any uh, the number of people who just say, "Well, I'm not going to be involved because it doesn't you know, follow my particular line." Can I just add along those lines, Greg, that you should be, in my opinion, you should be congratulated for being open and and welcoming critique and suggestions from anybody that, that's willing to give them to you in regard to Vegan Australia. You've not closed yourself off from anyone and you've been very willing to speak with anybody about it. So I think you should be congratulated for that and I, th I think it's, it's really helpful. Well, I, I think that comes from, from the fact that I'm still learning. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I continually learn about um, you know what happens in uh, in in the world and and what happens in the in our movement. Um, so I, I don't have um, I don't have a, a fixed point of view and and willing to 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 listen to everybody. Um, it's it's that's a there's a danger in that in that um, you know you listen to everyone you you um, you don't get anything done because it's um, you know you spend too much time. Pondering over some some fine points, so I think um, yeah we'll probably have to get to a, a stage soon where where we just draw a line in the sand and say well we'll, we'll, you know, we'll go from here on, on using these um, values and principles. And I think we're nearly there now. Can I ask a question about politics for a minute? This is um, another uh, question that Ronnie Lee would ask if he was here. I think he 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 would ask because of some of the things that you've talked about about working with. Um, you know, through the political system, I guess, in order to get uh, changes made into the educational curriculum, so to say, and, and things of that nature. Um, Ronnie would ask, is it, does it pay to try to work with politicians who are invested in the status quo, who, who are, you know, subject to those same core influences that you mentioned earlier? Or is it better to spend your time trying to elect a party like in Great Britain, Ronnie says that the Green Party is very good on animal issues, so-called animal issues, and he spends time trying to get the Green Party to be a, a bigger influence in the political system. So rather than working with existing political structures that are opposed to what 
uh, you're after? Would it be better to, um, and uh, on the political side of things, to try to get someone like the Green Party or maybe maybe the Animal Justice Party, someone like that, elected? Well, I, I see politics in a lot um, broader sense than than sort of party politics and and, and elected governments. Um, and I think if you, if you look at the the campaigns. Um, vegan Australia, the proposed campaigns, there's very few of them that actually require legislative change. It's more um, changes at a bureaucratic level. Um, it, it's a little bit different than, than say, uh, some single issue campaigns that are wanting legal changes for, for certain treatments of, of, of animals. Um, you know, the, at the moment, there, there's laws being the change like the, the number of um, chickens that can be in a certain area to be labeled organic and, and those sort of legislative changes uh, they're, they're not the sort of things that, that we're talking about they're things that could be done without changing the law or changing the parties um, and to be honest uh, I think that you know that it's probably going to be a lot harder to, to, to change the political system in Australia than, than trying to do the things that we're trying to do Greg, another member of our AR Zone admin team, Billy Lumpke, would like to know which group or individual action you may have noticed lately that's done something you felt was effective for other animals. Yes, there is one thing. Um, I don't, it hasn't been um, released yet, but I mentioned earlier about the Beyond Zero Emissions um, organisation. They're, they're an environmental group. They are working on a, on a report about the agricultural system, um, and one of the, one of the things that I would like to see Vegan Australia do is is to do research into what a vegan agricultural system would look like. Um, now I believe that the changes that we are, uh, are looking for uh, have to be scalable to to the whole world, or in this case, to you know to Australia. So what would it be like if in 10 years' time we we you know we gradually phased out animal production? What would the agricultural system look like? Um, you know, how, how would that affect jobs? How would that affect the economy? Um, you know, at a practical level, what um, what would it look like? So I was pleased when I um, heard the other day that Beyond Zero Emissions, in their in their um, report on land use, are considering an option that um, uh, I think eliminates all cattle production. I think is one of the, one of their options. Um, now they're doing that on on the grounds that that uh, animal animal, produ animal production produces a lot of greenhouse gases, um, but I think that's a, that's a, uh, a step towards looking at well what how not just how can we get to a vegan world but what would it look like once we're there, um, and it would answer questions that, for example, came up during the the ban live exports campaign. We got the the, um, the cattle industry using very effectively uh, the plight of farmers uh, who would you know, come in onto their um, sort of advertisement saying, um, you know, what, uh, "This is affecting my life. I'm, I'm losing money. The, the cattle. What, what, do I, what do I do with all the cattle? I have to keep feeding them." So the the Beyond Zero Emissions uh, report and or, or something like that that would um, look at 
the, a vegan agricultural system would answer questions like, well, where would all the farmers go? Um, where would we get our protein from? Where would we, um, you know, how could we feed everybody? What would happen to exports? Um, could the economy survive? Um, those sort of real questions that, that often come up nowadays. Um, uh, you know, and an example was the, the recent um, ban live exports camp um, sort of issue where the farmers were saying, well, you know, we, we've been here for you know, generations. Um, if, if you make this ban, then we'll be out of a job and we'll, you know, we'll lose our land, that sort of thing. If we can approach that on a, on a, on a global national level and say, well, here, here's the plan, here's, here's what would happen. The, for example, the, the, um, those uh, grazing lands would, would be reforested um, you know, or you could put certain crops in that area or grow, grow veggies. Um, I think that would be a, a really positive thing to be able to, to, uh, to point to. Greg, it sounds to me like you, you're taking a very pragmatic approach to, to the whole uh, question, not only of what you see a national organization as being able to do and how it's able to do it, but just the, the basic idea of how you can go about getting people to accept that um, they ought to at least consider making some sort of fundamental change in their life. When, when people talk about these issues and, and their philosophical differences within the movement that we touched on a minute ago, where some people want to talk about rights and they have to, and they and they want to emphasize the idea that animals have rights and I know that your uh, the uh, vegan society of new south wales mentions animal rights on its website um, others within the movement want to talk about um, not so much talk about rights but talk about um, compassion or you know, things of that nature and so within the movement there seems to be this philosophical discussion do you think the general public or the animals themselves care at all about those sort of philosophical discussions, and if not, is that why you look at this thing pragmatically? Um, well, I think the the general public probably has no interest at all, um, uh, or not no interest, no knowledge of the finer points of um, of animal ad advocacy. I certainly didn't a few years ago, and that, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed was. Was my my learning over the last few years of, of all the different, uh, I guess, uh, theories of, of of animal rights, um, uh, and and from a sort of an intellectual point of view, uh, I've I've enjoyed that that process. But I don't think many people are um, you know, are interested in in that. However, I think they're all very important. Um, they're important arguments because. You know, assuming that we, you know, let's assume that people have this, a similar goal of, of a, a vegan world, let's say, um, then the argument about tactics is extremely important. Um, you don't want to spend all of your energy um, being wasted. You know, you want to, you do want to find the most effective way to, to get, to to go towards that goal. So. Uh, I'm, I'm not, um, but I guess I am taking a, a broad approach. Um, you know, I, I, I think talking about rights is valid. Um, 
I can see that that, that you know people are compassionate and we can work with that um, we can work with the, the the dietary side of veganism the health side uh, and the environmental um, aspects I think I don't think they necessarily take away from each other uh, I think they that certainly was true for me um, you know 30 years ago it was the um, three three or four arguments that finally came together in, in one small um, booklet that I was given from in fact the Hare Krishnas um, it was about talking about animal cruelty about issues about um, you know human human um, hunger and, and the fact that a lot, you know, a lot of grain is fed to, to animals rather than people I think there was some uh, discussion about the environment back then so it was it was the whole package if you like that that um, you know, attracted me, and I think uh, we don't need to ignore uh, any of those benefits of veganism. Greg, can I just quickly ask you about your opinion on the word cruel and cruelty, cruelty-free options and that sort of thing? Do you worry that when people hear about cruelty-free food options or putting an end to cruelty as a general matter, that they'll assume that there are ways to use and kill other individuals that aren't cruel? Um, because in, I, th I believe that the word cruelty focuses on the treatment, the way other animals are treated, as opposed to the fact that they're being used at all. So is that something that concerns you? Um, I agree with what you're saying. It's, I guess it's not something that's uppermost in my mind. Um, I do use that word sometimes. Um, and I think it's probably where most people are at the moment. Um, I, I think in a, in a sort of a theoretical sense, using the word cruelty does imply that there are non-cruel ways to, to use animals um, but in a practical sense the way most people um, where most people are it I don't see too much of a problem in using that um, if people are not aware of cruel practices then they, they probably see no issue in in using animals at all so I think it's it's probably a step on the on the path to learning more about um, the rights of animals. Um, I think it's probably difficult, and it certainly didn't happen for me, to, to go straight away into understanding what the rights of animals uh, is. Um, you know, it's still, for me, it's a, it's a difficult topic, but um, you know, if you mention it to the public, they'll, they'll start talking about dogs getting um, you know, driver's licenses and uh, you know, silly things like that. So, yeah, as long as it's used, um, the word cruelty is used in the in the right context. I don't have a problem with it. As as a follow up to that, do you think that most people who hear that you're an advocate for other animals, or that you're or that you're vegan and that you're promoting veganism, do you think most people who hear that assume that you uh, just want them to cut down on the amount of of uh, animal products that they consume, or do you think that they think something of you that's more radical than that? Like you want to take away their pets, and you want to and you want to abolish um, hunting. And do you see the point I'm making? I mean, do, do most? Yeah, that I'm a bit of a, a wowser that I want to stop people having fun. Yeah, and that, I mean, because I I think that one of the one of the Part of what Carolyn was was getting at, I think, is that is that 
using the word cruelty might allow people to think that we're that as advocates we're not actually wanting them to make radical changes in their lives and i just wonder if you think that most of the people that hear what you have to say think that you're just asking them to make moderate changes in their life or do you think that most people assume that people that are advocates for other animals are asking for a whole lot well i, I think if 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 people uh read what's on the website um they will and, and you know they read it and understand it they will definitely get the idea that we we are asking for a lot um we're not just asking for people to to cut down or uh, you know someone recently said well you know i understand what you're saying so if i eat organic meat is that okay um, or at least you know we'll, that's an improvement so i you know i had to sit a right on that so i i think judging from what's been you know written about vegan australia on on the website i don't think many people would come away with the idea that we we're just asking for some small changes it's, right. it's a fairly um what's another word for extreme <laughs> yeah yeah it's, um, <laughs> is that when you it's an I, extremely good <laughs> it's, not, it's not going half measures it's uh it's not like saying well don't eat meat before six o'clock every day so you've you've done some interviews with with um some mainstream media in in australia i know that there's there's a there's an audio of of one that i've listened to um what the host of that program he he didn't he didn't assume from talking to you that 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 you were looking for people to make modest changes in their life did he uh well i hope by the end of the the interview he didn't yeah. uh he started out i think i think the first question was isn't it difficult to be vegan mhm uh, so that's coming from you know the quite a different uh understanding um but I hope I made it clear during that that interview that it's, you know that that's not the crucial point mm-hmm. um how hard convenient um, um you know an ethical stance is um, but yeah I don't know my my idea my intention was to definitely get that message across whether I succeeded or not I'm not sure Greg I'd like to thank you on behalf of AR Zones members and listeners for spending your time with us today it's been an absolute pleasure but before we say goodbye is there anything that we've left out that you'd like to mention to our members well uh, i guess a few a few practical things uh, about um vegan australia um we're hoping to um incorporate very soon uh, that that means to you know become a an official recognized organization um with a sort of a legal standing uh, and to have our, our first annual general meeting in October on the 21st of October so if uh, if any of your listeners are um interested in being involved in in helping out or, or um being on the committee or on the, any advisory boards uh, helping with any of the campaigns we would love to hear from them um you can get in touch by going to the um the website um veganaustralia.org.au Uh, and the email is info@veganaustralia.org.au and uh, we uh, would really look uh, look forward to hearing any uh, opinions and and offers of help
Thanks again, Greg, for visiting AR Zone today. We appreciate it very much, and we certainly also appreciate all that you're trying to achieve from other animals. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening to AR Zone. Please visit us online at www.arzone.net and look for us on iTunes.